So, Sally Lowe, welcome to Breakfast with Bobsey. Well, this is my <laughs> honor, pleasure. I mean, it's a hidden secret. I'm Isn't glad it? that I found you. To have a place in Hong Kong with no cars. Wonderful. In a, one of the oldest neighborhoods, in fact. Well, Pose Possession Street is just down the road. And, mm. so, and it's one of the older neighborhoods because it has a lot of water underneath it. There's a lot of running, fresh water running down from the mountains, from the peak. So it was the earliest part that was inhabited, so, so collectively known as Taiping Shan. Well, it's not far from my office and I found a new, a new, hangout. A new hangout, which is absolutely great. You're welcome. We uh, open 8 in the morning and uh, it's a good place to come and work. It's wherever you sit, there's plugs. So well, if you want to plug in your laptop uh, or your... Young, young, uh, with their yes. computers. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good hangout. So welcome. Um, you don't need much introduction in Hong Kong. Um, I'm just a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've been here nearly 50 years. I think I, that can't be true, but it is. 50? Nearly 50 years. So let's go back to the beginning then. Yeah. You arrived here from England? In 1967, in the time of the riots. Ooh. And I'd never been further east than Rome, and I had to say to my trustees when they picked up the Times newspaper and it said, bomb outside the Hilton Hotel, Hong Kong, and they said, are you really serious about going? And I said, yes, I'm going, I'm going to visit my girlfriend. And um, There was, was no romantic attachments at that time? Oh, well, she was a cover. Ah. She was a cover. Yes, so bombs 1967, but it was a cover-up, was it? Yes, because um, I was actually coming to, to have a look-see. Um, at that time, I was going... And all the handsome to... soldiers? No, 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 no. Although they, uh, they were, the Coldstream Guards were here uh, on the border. And so, you know, I was 21 and uh, or a bit younger, I think. And it was all very exciting. And um, Kayin, uh, my sister-in-law, um, in those days was sort of the cover. And uh, I really came to, to uh, meet Robert. Oh, you did? Yes. So I came to see Hong Kong and... You'd met previously? Oh, yes, yes. In I, England? Yes. Right. Well, I have to go back and tell you the start of the story. Okay, okay. Because, you know, I, well, my sister and I were very privileged. We had our own news house at the back of my um, mother's house in um, Pond Street. Mm. So um, we felt very grown up, so at the age of 18. And um, I think we were fairly sophisticated in those days, um, compared to the young today. And um, perhaps it's because we, uh, my father died when I was very young. And so, you know, we were brought up by nannies. And, uh, and we, were, we had our, our muse house and we entertained a lot. In those days it was black tie dinner parties. Mm. And I was, um, I don't know why, but you know, we, we, didn't, we went around with a group of uh, friends. So we had a group of friends and so I wasn't holding hands seriously with anybody. And it didn't seem to, you know, with, I mean, one would go out, as I said, you know, you go to restaurants, you go to art galleries, the theatre. And one of, uh, one of my friends said, gosh, you must meet this young man. He's amazing. Um, he was just come to, our, come to join our office. And 
this was Robin, and he was an article clerk, which meant as a Chinese gentleman who went to the city with a bowler hat, a rolled umbrella, and a carnation. Wow. I knew he looked like on job from 007. <laughs> anyway, we met, and I'm not going to, uh, uh, you won't believe it, but we met. Love at first sight. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but we, we met, and at his house in uh, South Kensington, where when I when we opened the door, there was an armor with a flat right on the back. And we were ushered into the drawing room on the first floor, where we were given <laughs> tea and watercress sandwiches. Very British. With a crust cut off. <laughs> with a crust cut off, of course. <laughs> anyway, we, over the years, Actually, I was only about then. I suppose I was 17 and a half, 18, and uh, Robert was in his early 20s, and so we were all we all had a lot of fun. But he had such style. He had such style. I mean, you know, he loved to entertain because he had a housekeeper, uh, and um, you know, he liked to go partying, Annabelle's, you name it. So it was, it was all very jolly. And he'd originally come out of Hong Kong, had he? He, came, he had been, I mean, his sister Kayin, who's very well known today as one of our leading designers, um, she and Robert were at university and in England. They mm. were at school. Right. So right. Robert had been in, in England, so he was right. very much a European. He was yes. very British. Very British. And um, he, he uh, had enjoyed, enjoyed boarding school, and then uh, university, and then the city. Um, and he had a really good life. And mm. he and I always gravitated together. Mm. You know, it didn't matter who I was with. Or he could have been with Princess Lusnowski or some, some girl that really, that, that the, the embassy always thought that Robert and Cayenne were um, very eligible to meet, you know, people that they had to entertain. Mm. So they were lauded by quite a lot of the uh, embassies. So that, you know, Robert met all these Spanish girls, and, you know, and so of course he, as a gentleman, took them out, and they were very decorative. Anyway, he, as I said, he and I had a lot in common. Uh, he collected old master drawings. Uh, I collected, because of my mother, I collected, and uh, my uh, twin sister, we collected, um, well, modern as uh, contemporary, contemporary uh, lithographs. I mean, we couldn't afford very much. Picasso would days. have been contemporary back then, right? I, we had, to, we had, uh, Picasso. Oh, Picasso. Picasso. Uh, <laughs> well, we had, actually, we did, my, um, my godfather had a very large collection and lived part of the time in South of France and you know he, he, he was a, a friend of or a collector of the castle so uh, every so often at birthday or Christmas we would get a lithograph but I mean still in those days that was you know, it was so and then so we Robert and I sort of continued our good friendship now the amazing thing was of all coincidence Robert's brother went to the same school as my brother, Millfield, and so I used to go down for open days. And I suppose the romance started when he said, would you like a lift to Parents Day? And I sat in his open, I think it was a trial, 
and uh, had my hair blown everywhere Whoa. as he drove me down to Somerset and, and I had a hat box on my knee <laughs> and that's when it all started but we were good friends and then when the riots came in 1967 so you, you came to visit him I right? came to yes. visit him yeah so you know that's when everything changed and we became because he was called back I mean he never really I think you know he never really could be spending his life in the city mm. but he never really realized that um, his father was the last Commodore. Commodore means a Chinese manager in, in the bank but they bring the business to the bank and the, but they guarantee the business so when the riots came in 1967 you can imagine I mean, the father taken the role off from the grandfather and so there were many, many, many old families, many companies that were like, there was an aviation company, there was a refrigerating company. Robert, age 26, came back to Hong Kong to sort out the, because there was a run on the bank. So, you know, all the properties and everything, um, they had to dispose of them because everybody shook it off. <laughs> Excuse my pun, but they, they just, they left. And so Robert had to sort that out. Step in and yes. yeah, roll his sleeves up. So it was up. tough for him. So yeah. you know, he he thought he was coming back for six weeks, and he never went back to live in, in London mm. again. But did he regret that somehow? No, I mean, it was a it was a it was a duty, fight. wasn't it? It was a duty. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that particular time, I mean, it was heartbreaking for him yeah. because. He, he had to, one, dispose of the family assets to cover the, uh, the banks. And at a time when um, you, no, well, you could give everything away, the American banks left Hong Kong. That's how bad it was. And so actually, funny enough, having, been, having experienced that time, all through the last 30, 40 years, 50, 50 years nearly, um, of ups and downs in Hong Kong, I think to myself, this is nothing. Yes, yeah. Absolutely nothing yes. compared to that particular time. Scary times, right? Scary times. And then you also had communist China communist <coughs> lurking China, there, right? There was definitely, you know, a feeling that the communists might come over the border. Uh, the Brits were doing really well in terms of, uh, uh, we had curfew. So, you know, we still had lots of fun times. I mean, Robert family had a boat and, uh, and he lent it to the British Army so they could have R&R &R and enjoy mm. themselves mm. and we'd go to pick, pick, you know, off to picnics, he'd take some of his staff. They did live in rather a grand manner. Mm. Mm. Uh, they had a mansion on Kennedy Road which now is Hopewell Centre. I mean Robert started working as a in merchant banking and in those days, you know, you had a Guaylo, or I shouldn't use that word. Uh, you had a, 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 a foreigner uh, as your boss. Yes. And weren't um, exactly treated uh, with respect. Mm. Mixed marriage, we got married. Uh, Robert asked. It was rather unusual back then, wasn't it? Uh, very unusual. Um, we, I remember being in a taxi and get, getting. We, we corresponded very, very much. Talking on the telephone was difficult mm. because it sounded as if you were talking through a washing machine. Mm. 
So literally, I mean, it was very, I mean, it was Hello. Like, Hello. Oh, and then did you say this? And then there was uh, this wish-wash. Yeah. So we did, so we wrote to each other. Um, so it's quite romantic. And um, yes, I think on the third page, having spoken about several things, he said, no, I looked at the feng shui, and this is the date. Uh, so, you know, not will you, won't you marry me. It's, this is the date that I think. And we hadn't discussed marriage, but anyway, uh, he had asked when I came in 1967, um, uh, he had asked me almost the day I arrived on South Bay Beach, and I said, "We'll, we'll steady on, old chap." <laughs> he said, "Well, I'm flattered, but let's, 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 uh, you know, let's spend some time together." Yeah. And um, so, and then he didn't ask me again. So that was, you know, and I was here for six weeks at that time. <laughs> then I left, and I. So I organised. Uh, we got married in Queen's Chapel with the Queen's permission. And which was uh, mm. very nice. A small wedding, very, very small. And when we came back to Hong Kong, as I said, it was the time if the riots had sort of subsided a little bit, but it was still troubled times mm. and there were there was perfect so no wedding celebrations or anything, which I was quite glad of. Mm. But when it came to Chinese New Year I remember Rob said, This is the time when we have to go and visit friends and relations. Right. And I remember he said, Well we've got to leave about seven thirty and I thought, Wow, that's very early. And uh, I said, oh, that's rather rude. And he said, No, 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 they'll all be waiting, they'll all be waiting. And we went to forty houses in one day. And everyone and I had like a Gladstone bag full of different colored lices and I hadn't really got to grips with it. And we went the first, I remember the first house next to the uh, Kennedy Road uh, house was uh, the Lee Tyson Avenue, uh, our next door neighbors. I remember going, uh, and then there were about 25 people there. So you, the, I was told, <laughs> <laughs> to give out the niceties to everybody that was there. Whoa. So anyway, it, it was it was fascinating. Yes. I, was, I mean, I could write a book. I, I mean, and you I, should. I have, well, I've had such an exciting time. The chapters in my life. Yes. And the turning points that, you know, I've learned so much. And I think I'd rather, I'm, I'm used to sort of overriding what I was going to say but about my admiration for the family. Mm. <laughs> But, you know, Roberts never pointed to Shuston Hill or Electric Road or the waterfront and said, well, we earned all this. He's never looked back. It's, and that's been such an amazing, you know, for me, I admired so much, you know, just taking things as they come. Of course, we had uh, our young life together and uh, children came, which was wonderful. Um, but my mother-in-law was a very special, I had been born, I was brought up by twin sister. And I have to say the confidence I have in life, and possibly the confidence to come to Hong Kong and marry, when it was very young, I mean, there were, there were the Shaw family, the Fung family, and us, I think, you know, we, we led the field in mixed marriages. But, you know, the confidence that I have to thank my twin sister for, because we never went to a cocktail party or anywhere without, we were Tweedledum and Tweedledee. So, you know, it wasn't like walking into a room, there were two of us. Mm. And, um, and twins, and identical. identical. Yeah, oh, beautiful. And, and um, so she's now headquarters London, and I'm headquarters uh, Hong Kong, Asia, um, which has worked really, really well. 
um, her husband and Robert were best buddies. Ah, so and, and beautiful. You know, I don't know. I don't believe. I, I don't know whether I believe in everything. I'm open-minded spiritually in every way. But you know, isn't it extraordinary? Jilly and I, of course, being identical twins, were born on the same day. But isn't it extraordinary that our our husbands were born within one day of each other? So you know, you have to think with mythology and, and, and Chinese feng shui. Yes. You say, you know, so here we were. I think we're, we're two cockerels married to two dragons. <laughs> I mean, you know, but. We were so lucky. Um, wow, how beautiful. We had, uh, we had two. Uh, you must have made striking couples, you know. We were, yeah. we were quite a force. Are there any photographs? Mm -hmm. Of Jilly of, of and I, yes. Yeah, no, together with your husband? Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Many, yes. many, many. Then, so my sister had two boys, and we had two girls, and so they were brought up as brothers and sisters, which is great. Um, Robert always hankered after. Um, he's a bit of a francophile, he's a very good cook, and he, when he, even when he was at boarding school, he started collecting wine. So he had a, you know, he had, I, I remember, uh, we'd possibly go to a, a very inexpensive restaurant in Chelsea or somewhere, but he introduced us to fine dining. We, we were the buffet and he was the fine dining. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. But as the children grew up, um, Were the children born in England? Um, our eldest was born in England, and our youngest was born in Hong Okay. And uh, yes, and and but going back to saying about, I, I'm sorry to go back, but going back to, I mean, I was a mother, but I also had some very interesting um, opportunities because. Um, I was first asked if I would um, help TVB. So, I mean, actually, when I think about what I've done, it's, you know, and it's only talking to someone like yourself who opens the, opens the book. Wonderful. Because I did the first, uh, I organized the first uh, Miss Hong Kong. I had no idea. I mean, you know, but I had reasonably good taste. Um, and I. I've done, I've done a lot of things. I mean, you know, we, I helped with the refugees when they came. With the Vietnamese, yes. So I helped uh, start the treats. And then, but my mother-in-law was really responsible because it went while we were living in the, uh, before we moved to uh, Deep Bay, uh, my mother-in-law had heard, Chinese whispers, had heard that I was cleaning the bath. Now, I was brought up, even though we had a lot of staff in the house, I was brought up to, you know, British Airways. You know, like my sister and I would get the chores to do. Mm. Uh, you know, we'd have to do the staircase, which is forever, but anyway, you know, we had to do the dust and a brush. And uh, so we were always given chores in the house. And so I was always used to leaving the bathroom the way I found it. And my mother-in-law beckoned me and said, your duty, we have, they had, at that time they had nine staff in the house. That was before everything sort of had to, the uh, size died. And so um, she said, your job is not to, we have plenty of help uh, to clean the house. You have to go out and serve the community. And I think that was the most important 
thing that ever happened to me. Because immediately I thought, well, here's little me, I don't speak Cantonese, our Robert's at work every day. I was trying to learn. I was hopeless. And stone deaf with, with, with Cantonese. So I tried. But interestingly, that was the time when I started to look to see how I could be of help. Mm. And I started at the Dutch um, Kent Children's Hospital, where I worked for them for 25 years. And uh, that taught me a lot too, because here were children who, with spinal bifida, they, they, they um, Professor Hodgson invented a new um, way of treating they would have to be on their backs mm. in an iron lung. Mm. And he, globally, was the first, I mean, Hong Kong should be proud, although he's British, but still, he, he did the halo pelvic operation, which meant that they put a metal halo, which they drilled, it sounds awful, but actually it never seemed to bleed or never seemed mm. to hurt them. So they had a metal halo over their heads and one round their hips. And then they had four strands. Mm. And I can assure you, once they got up, they were playing football. You know, the courage. Wow. The courage of these young people. And that was pioneered here in Hong Kong? That was pioneered here, here. Wonderful. So then, you know, I, I did a series of different things. I started uh, an interior decorating company with Nellie and Kenneth Wong. Uh, it was called in, um, Product Design in the Princess Building. But that, so what year would this be now? Children were young, but the uh, 1980s. <laughs> so the pr <laughs> Prince's back. building would have been fairly new back fairly then, new. right? Yeah. Yes, we were on the mezzanine floor, and I was, and we made lacquer furniture. I mean, just actually, we made lacquer furniture to really uh, show off the things we were selling in the in, in, in the shop. Uh, Kenneth was a very uh, skilled architect. Designed. And so, you know, he had, he, he, so we all had our input. And um, then that, that went on to lead us to do budget uh, decorating because at that time the expats came and they were given a lump sum of money. I have always been an inquisitor of antiques, so funnily enough, Hollywood Road, this, this area was very much my stomping ground. Mm. And I picked things up. And then with the old family house, we had a massive of, you know, tables and Chinese chairs and so And I, so I, when we started the interior decorating, we would say to the American couple or the young couple coming into Hong Kong, use this to buy one or two antique pieces, which were very inexpensive and easily available. Mm. Buy lacquer chests to go on your bedside tables. And then, you know, you, uh, when, because every year it would depreciate and then they could take it home with them when they left to go back to America or wherever. So that was fun because it allowed us and we did, and we, we had a, a contractor who made lacquer furniture for us. So, and trade know, was good? So, yes, yes, yes. I mean it was fun. I did that for a few years but then, then I found that um, we went to Bangkok to live for a couple of years. Robert was, at uh, that time, uh, working for um, AIA in short. Now that was fantastic. That was such an opening, you know, an eye-opener to me, living in Bangkok. 1980s. In the 80s. 
amazing. And um, I mean, we made friends. I mean, I fell in love with Thailand. I wonder if we crossed paths. I was there in 87. I'm sure. And I lived there from 87 on and off through to 1992. So it was my playgrounds were the latter years. So 1989, 1991, 92. Bangkok was my playground. It was a wonderful city. It was wonderful. And you could go to Chiang Mai and you could go to Bokhim and the islands. Down to I, the islands. And, yeah. I remember. Um, I remember um, going for the first time down to Pattaya. Now, Pattaya now is considered yes, spoiled and seedy. But when I arrived, we walked. First of all, there was only a dirt track. Secondly, uh, so we were lucky enough to find uh, a, a car. Uh, we, um, we went to the, 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 dark, the long beach. We walked out onto the beach. And Robert said, there are elephants on the beach. Actually, they weren't elephants. They were the markings of buffalo. Mm. But still, it was totally and utterly exotic. Wasn't it? Yes. Scene and um, you know, it was beautiful. So, in the latter years, we, we bought a property in uh, Phuket. Mm. So about ten years ago, we again never intended to. Um, but we bought a property. We were sailing, uh, diving in the Similan Islands, and we landed on a beach. And you know how these things happen? You know, it was deserted, just like the early days. This long, long beach, called Mai Tai Beach. And from behind a coconut tree came this gentleman who spoke impeccable English. It turned out he was a golf pro, and he was Filipino, to a rather fat cat who came out behind him, who was Thai. And he said, oh, Kundusit is looking uh, at this land because his son is getting married and so he wants to sell, make, put 10 houses here. So like every Chinese gentleman, Robert produced out swimming shorts, a card. <laughs> Waterproof. <laughs> Waterproof, of course. <laughs> and, and then he, and then he, uh, so then he, uh, he produced his card and, you know, we swapped name addresses. Then three months later, he put an option on the land and it took five years but we built I mean four villas with friends I mean not as a business idea but just just to go back to our yes. Thailand and uh, yes today it's still pretty pretty unspoiled you know ten years later same house same house so then that'd be quite an investment then well, it was, yes. um, because like anything else I always warn anyone, it came out to be, of course they all said, this is going to be very, you know, this is not going to be expensive, you know, you can do it within this budget, but it took twice as long and twice as much right. money. But, you know, we've had a lot of fun with it. Very familiar with that, that's what happens when we open uh, cafes, you know, or you have a budget, it goes over budget, doubles, triples, and ah. Uh, Anyway. It's a headache. So, yes, so, this, so we have been very blessed. So, um, um, I don't know how long we can hold on to, uh, you know, our property because over the years we've bought and sold and we sold our house in Chumkok and, and, and couldn't get back in the market. You know, everything escalated so fast. 
and often asked, the big, big breakthrough was when a doctor said to me, what would you do if we offered you a space in the hospital? And that was when, uh, that was when Prince of Wales was being, a part of the uh, oncology unit was being built, thanks to Lee Kaushin. And I, I didn't have to think, so I often think sometimes someone's speaking through me. But I, I said I'd start a cancer patients resource centre. Well, as it happened, the building wasn't built. And in the meantime, Queen Mary Hospital here heard about it. And so they were the first one. So now I'm proud to say we have one in every hospital. Mm. But we, I realized that our, when I started 30 years ago, we just celebrated, this is our 30th year. And I realized then that the- You started in 87 or 88? 87. 87. And is that 30 years? It depends oh, I, on the date. It may I, well be no, 31 no. this well, year. No, I go to the I, I go to the um, the financial year. Right. So it's okay. till April. Yes. So we uh, till April. 30 years. What 30 a lovely years. number. 30. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, you know, I think to myself that um, uh, the demographics of the people that we were very much grassroots, um, very um, financially challenged. And also, um, the age group was around 65 to 70. So now, today, the average age is around 48, 50. Getting younger and younger. Very young. Now, I put it to, I like to think positively always. And I like to think that people are more uh, aware of cancer. Uh, Screening is available, and they are coming forward early to be screened, so that the cases are being caught early and treated. And so today, our big challenge is survivorship, because we have in our in our uh, centres we have about, as I said, 23,000 clients. And I realised that about three years ago that. A lot of our clients, being so young, want to be proactive in their healing. Mm. Uh, so we started the wellness stream. Mm. So we had about 36 people coming a week. Today we have over 2,000 a week. I want to ask you a bit about um, your role as a woman um, in supposedly a man's world, although I disagree with that. I think, I think we're living in a woman's world, if anything. But the, the, the qualities of, of, of the feminine, you know, compassion and caring and cooperation rather than competition. And, I mean, these are tools that you must be using all the time. Well, they are. I mean, you know, I think that it's interesting. Um, I think you remember um, Maureen Chen. Yes. Very well. She's with Raj Yoga. When I first started, you know, I read books and looked at... Um, Looked at you know what I should be doing with the support group. You know, I, you know I'm, we met at the Mariners Club, and it said um, meditation. And I remember calling her, and she said, mm, "Yes." And she sounded a real Aussie, and so I thought I was talking. And I didn't expect to have someone walk in the room with a long plait and in white robes. But we built a very close relationship, and she taught me a tremendous amount. Um, you know, for me, that first meeting with her was like the steam on a, in a shower and 
suddenly you wipe the steam away and you see clearly. Mm. And that was a revolution for me, a revelation mm. for me. Um, it's all about love. It, yes. it's, it's all about love. It's all about brothers and sisters and equality. This is so important to understand. Mm. And, you know, I think that I also, I, I feed on courage, you know, the courage of the people that we, and, and the positive uh, nature in which they, they address their, their plight. Um, today we have a drug fund, we have a hardship fund. I sign hardship every day. Um, but for me, I was asked once to, um, to, to describe the personality of the cancer fund, and I, I did, I, I must say, I, I did think of it as very feminine. Mm. Um, you know, it's a mother figure. It's a, yes. Uh, it's, it's a mother figure which is all-encompassing. Yes. Um, there is nothing that we won't look at. There's no place that we won't help. And, you know, as far as we do get, a lot of overseas people who ask us for help, there are ways in which we can help which... Uh, we have outreach programs in China. Mm. My two special groups, and I, I have no favorites, but they're quite remarkable. And one of them is the New Voice. Now these, the prognosis of a laryngectomy is very good. The reality is they lose the uh, use of their voice. So they lose the mm. ability to speak uh, until they're trained. And so we train them. So we have a special center. And we go into China. And I've seen people who've been unable to speak for 15 years. And they speak. Wow. And, and it's as simple. Taiwan is as simple as a large straw, like a McDonald's straw, which costs very little. Um, we can teach them to speak again. Amazing. So, yes, I think that we see and the other group that we have as Center for Special Needs is the Stoma group. And I remember a gentleman who came to see me and he said, mm, I haven't been out for 15 years. He again hadn't been out for something like that. And he said, I come to see you because we need your help. And I had no money and I, I I was just at the beginning uh, when I started. And what was incredible was that the, um, he said that he felt the stigma of carrying a stoma bag, which is where you, uh, you have to either bow or urine. You carry the bag with you. So he didn't feel comfortable about going out. So I thought to myself, I had no money. So I thought, well, how am I going to do this? You know, and this was a big ask, I didn't quite know. And so I started taking them to uh, Ocean Park. Once they got to Ocean Park, they forgot they had a stoma bag. They, you know, and their minds... These older or younger? Mm. Older or younger? The um, majority of them. My, my housekeeper also has a stoma bag. Right. So, um, and it's quite... So we started a centre to help to manage the stoma and take the stigma away. They're a feisty lot, they really are. So, have I, I didn't answer your question. You see, I get carried away. Well, there's so much to say, isn't there? <laughs> Final words on, on, on this little breakfast we're having? No, 
know, I'm just very grateful. We've been friends for a long, long time. Yes. Many years. Yes. I can't even think how far. It must be. Well, you were a regular back in Life Cafe, right? Yes, when, you know, every day you'd come in for your soup and yes, your dal absolutely. and, you know. And, and um, you know, I, I feel, I feel very blessed. Mm. And, um, Indeed. Long may, long may those, you know, wishes come true. And, um, you know, I'm hoping, I am hoping. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always recruiting because we're expanding so fast. In the last 18 months, we opened three centers. And the center in Kwai Chung, 7,000 square feet. So it's huge. It has, and, and we do a lot with diet, mm. a lot of juicing. Mm. So you must come, you must come and see. I'd love you'd to, be yes. very, very, you'd be very yes. interested. We'd yes. love you to talk to. Um, I have someone who used to be with the Kaduri farm, and now they work for me. Um, diet is very, very important, and especially from the caregiver's point of view, because, you know, they feel so helpless. Mm. So diet is really, really important. Mm. Um, I had runner beans for breakfast, so I had a vacant breakfast. This morning? Yes. So I'm, I'm moving that way. Yes. A lot of, of course, a lot of my uh, colleagues are uh, vegetarian mm. and... Um, and, and I'm moving that way. Absolutely. There's a, there's a huge move. And our, our customers are getting well, are getting younger and younger. Yes. A lot of teenagers are not going just vegetarian, but going one step further. Vegans. Yes. That is and and the, these are teenagers. These are, you know, they're walking in wearing t-shirts saying, I'm, I'm vegan and I'm proud, you know. At such a young age. And a lot of them are changing their lifestyles, changing their diets not just for their own health, because they're young and healthy, but primarily for the environment, for the sake of our planet. Because we know the eco-footprint of the production of meat, fish and dairy is mega. It's by far the, the largest. And these youngsters who are inheriting the planet, if you like, you know, they're going to be living on this planet for the next 50, 60 years. They're going, whoa, wait a minute, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. So one thing I can do is change my diet. And this is why we've been championing, yeah, this is a sentence on your cookie. Oh, here we are. Diet change, not climate change. <laughs> it's been so important for us. It's change your diet, but don't change the climate, you know. Um, it's global warming. Well, I'm, I'm really pleased to find that the uh, TV, TVB have been putting on a program. I think it's every week, and it's been... Um, it's every week, and it's been all about uh, the way in which you know sustaining the uh, and farming. Yes. It's 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 what to start. Yes. You know, fish farming, uh, the pollutants. It's it's really yes. uh, heavy metals that are. And we're becoming more and more aware of the source of a lot of global warming and how and the climate change. It's coming from our diet, it's coming from our choice of food. And of course, food is so intimate to us. It's almost like the last bastion. It's like, Especially you know, in Hong Kong. Don't tell me what to eat now, please, you know, don't. But it, it's a fact that our, our source of food and where our food comes from, at what cost, at what expense, is a big game changer. Well, my office is about Marks and Spencer's, and I'm, ah. you know, and You must I'm, have been so happy when they opened yes. them, but... Well, they, you know, 
it's portable and it's uh, and you know that it had the chemicals aren't in the food. Yes. And it's sad because my great joy in Hong Kong is to uh, when I'm having a bad day and you know I have clients sadly you know come to the end of their, their sometimes they lose some of our clients. And so you know if I'm having a bit of a blue day I will wander into Gough Street and into the market and then you know I'll chitty chat because I'm you know I really know them all very well. But I've stopped, you know, I wanted I want to support the local markets. But you know I I draw a line at buying you know meats from China because you know I feel that there's so many chemicals uh, in food. And organic food now is readily available. Yes everywhere. And I'm really pleased that you know, yeah. all the big supermarkets are now selling Absolutely. Uh, organic food. It's becoming the norm to a certain extent, and it will continue to grow. And you know, with the youngsters now coming in, the entrepreneurs and the millennials, and there a lot of them moving in that direction. So there is hope. There is a lot of hope. Well, even our senior, uh, even our senior uh, uh, clients, we take them out to the organic farms. One of the things we do for recreation, we take them out to the organic farms in in, uh, in, in the new territories. And they love it, they absolutely love it. And we have regular uh, deliveries which they can buy. You know, obviously, we subsidize, mm. but uh, regular deliveries of yes. organic yes. vegetables and food. Um, it is obviously, you know, a cultural thing. I mean, but basically, Chinese food, the essence of Chinese food is very healthy. Mm. I mean, you know, they do all these soups, they yes. do all these things. And, and very many of them are with the almonds and with mushrooms. You know. So um, we encourage that. Yes. And, uh, but there's still a little way to go because everyone likes their Peking duck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I am I'm a little bit more careful these days. Yes. Well, wonderful. Is that all right? Absolutely it wonderful. Is. So, Sally, it's been a pleasure having you for breakfast. Oh, no, 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 I'm thrilled.